Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 95. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-E. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today.
Cool. I'm going to get one today. There's been good news and bad news regarding my Warren Kremer book and my TTV scrapbook. Bad news first. The publisher I was working with has canceled both books. Now the good news. It's Bear Manor Media to the rescue. Not only will they be publishing Friendly Ghosts, Little Devils, Giants, and Rich Kids, the art and creations of Warren Kremer, and the TTV scrapbook, but now they will be in color. There will be more details soon. I'm also still working on my Mad and Disney books, and a Popeye article. Today we feature all the way from Australia, a singer, monkeys fan, and pop culture fan. He also hosts his own video podcast. Here he is, Plastic EP. This particular episode is also available in a video version, making it our third video podcast. Hey, it's Mark Arnold, and we're at Fun Ideas Podcast number 95. And today we have a special guest from Melbourne, Australia, Plastic EP. Yay! That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Plastic has been hounding me and bugging me about Beatles and Monkeys information, and I decided to turn the tables on him and interview him. <laughs> Let's see. It's this way. There we go. <laughs> That's me. That's me. So he, we have a song here that uh, he's done, and uh, we could show the little video. It's called Hey Bananas, uh, You're Groovy. What? <laughs> hey Bananas, we think you're groovy. You've obviously. We think you're groovy. <laughs> Don't fall asleep on me now. Here we go. Hey bananas, we think you're groovy, we think you're groovy. Hey bananas, we want you groovy, we want you groovy. Drive your two buggies everywhere, just going crazy without a care. Hey bananas, we think you're groovy. Hey bananas, we think you're groovy. Love to watch you cause your favorite show Hey bananas, we think you groovy Hey bananas, hey bananas, we think you groovy Hey bananas, we think you groovy That's groovy, do you want me to tell you a bit about the song? Sure. Okay, I'll use that as an intro to my song, and i got to tell you, that's what makes me successful. Myself, the show, and the song, and actually people now tune in to watch the song more than the person I'm interviewing, believe it or not. That's me going down Hollywood Boulevard with Vicky because we're in a band called the EPs, mm-hmm. written over 2,000 songs. We did that on purpose there for Hey Bananas with Thinky Groovy, walking down the... Hollywood Boulevard, there are stars, and I found the monkey star, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and there I am walking down the street, and everyone's looking at me like, who's this guy in the gold suit? And we stayed at the Sheridan there in Los Angeles, and I got the biggest limousine I could get. Wow. We went out to Amoeba Records, and I bought a lot of records. And while I was there, we filmed a lot of stuff. And um, I asked the driver, driving the limo. It's about 400 miles down the front while Vicky and we're in the back, right? And I said, do I look normal to you here in Los Angeles in my gold suit and my glasses? And then he said, oh, yeah, you fit right in. And I thought, great, I'm at home. (laughs) 
especially in Hollywood. So you're fine there. Um, so now I just want to say we got Chachi Laprit. Now Chachi Laprit, he's one of the greatest guys you could ever meet. He's got Breakfast with the Beatles, and yeah. I just want to say because now it's um, Sunday morning here. Tomorrow we do a show called Plastic EP and Chachi Live, and guess what? Our big guest is Bob Gruen. Oh. photographer, world-class photographer. He did all the John Lennon photos mm -hmm. there at the uh, Statue of Liberty. Unbelievable yep. show we got on tomorrow. Well, Just want to make <laughs> mention of that. He's coming out of Boston, Breakfast with the Beatles. I'll tell mm -hmm. you what, you've got to listen to it too, Mark. It's uh, worldwide two days a week on the weekend, and he just plays the best Beatles songs that are out there. And I, I even tune in, get this on a Saturday night in Melbourne. It's 8 p.m here that he shows on but sunday it's midnight and usually i'm half asleep but i try to <laughs> make an effort to listen to the guy i just love him he's the best what time is it there now just out of curiosity well it's only 20 past seven in the morning oh okay so you're you're just waking up okay no curious. i'm ready to go that's just how i am <laughs> yeah, i'm ready yeah. to go any time of the well, day me, that's why i've done interviews yeah for me uh, it's 1 in the afternoon but i'm still <laughs> i'm still in bed yeah <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you look comfortable there but uh, i did take a shower so it's like at least i'm awake um so the question I usually start off when I interview people is just tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into the music industry and doing all these interviews. I mean, it's like, you for me, you just kind of came out of nowhere and say, Mark, I want to interview you for the Monkey's book. And I go, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, it's true, I came yourself. out of nowhere. But I've been planning <laughs> since 1981. The name Plastic EP didn't come from nowhere. The name Plastic EP actually came from a record when I started. It was Plastic Plastic EP and the records. That was my um, first one? one called at home. Is that the one you sent to me? This one? The one you sent to me? See? Yeah, that's the second single. <laughs> but I've actually got the first single here. Oh, okay. Okay. This is in here, and you can see, well, you can there see go. it's got my name Plastic EP on it. Right. I'll just try and make it. It says New Wave Plastic EP. So, yeah, we can see. So, that's my first single. <laughs> 500 were made in 1981. So mm -hmm. you can see I've been around since 1981, and I'm no overnight success. <laughs> That's what people got to understand. I planned, I planned to get world known all my life, and it was just that window of opportunity mm -hmm. at the start of the year, and I just like went for it, and just everything fell into place. And you know, I can't be more thankful because this is all about trying to make people happy at home during this time because we need it now. People right. need to be entertained more than ever right now mark mm -hmm. and uh the second single is on actually emi you know so how did that happen because the first one because it sounds like the first one was self-pressed or something like yeah, that yeah it's the second one i had a custom made through emi in sydney and that's called oh. forget all i said and uh secret it? love secret. that's it now what happens is i'll explain this is the amazing <laughs> thing we put out the first single I showed you, At Home in Three Special Words. You go on the net, type in the word Plastic EP and the records. That's what we called ourselves for one year, 1981. We put that record out. Then we put out a song called Well You Want to Make a Record, and the master tape went missing, like the actual master that we, wow. that we did it on. So <laughs> it's so iconic because 30 years, 38 years later, it was released. 
Oh, wow. 38 years later. Jeez. Is that the real, the original uh, recording then, or is it a real? Yeah, that was the, the original recording that we were lucky enough we saved on a cassette. So they got <laughs> that cassette and they mastered it, and that's the that's the record here, which I love this background. And that's me as a young man, about 23 years old, <laughs> coming in psychedelic, says, well, do you want to make a record? And that was pressed, and that's a 1981, so it's pretty good how things you know, come around. And then what happens is we're like plastic in the records. I said, look, the name's too long, right? It's like Cliff Richard and the Shadows. Let's right. cut it and call it The EPs because there's some monkey EPs there. Came out in Australia. Of course, they're hard to see. One red, one blue. Uh, <laughs> we called ourselves The EPs mm -hmm. after the four song 45s. Amazing. So have you been recording all along since 1981, or is it just something you kind of I started in 79 I've done over 2,000 songs. There's about 79 oh, albums wow. out there on iTunes and um, Spotify. Just type in the EPs and you'll see it. The thing is I don't talk too much about it because yeah. when I find, you know, major musicians and I tell them I've done over 2,000 songs, they don't look at me like, are you for real? Are you telling the truth? Are you making it up or what? So I try not to intimidate people because it's like the interviews, you know. When I put my foot on the pedal, I don't do things by half. I just go for it. Right. And it's with the interviews. It's just got traction now. And mm -hmm. it's like unbelievable. I just did a new interview now where I got invited by Angelo Tsaroukas. He's, uh -huh. he's a Canadian comedian and he's got a show with another two guys in L.A. and they call it Connecting Greeks. And I was on that show. It's now on YouTube. So Connecting Greeks with Plastic EP. It was just released about an hour ago, I believe. I just saw it on uh -huh. iTunes. And it's really <laughs> it's really great. We talk about the Greeks all over the world. I talk about my trips to Greece. It's mm -hmm. like you got to watch it. It's like when you're getting out there in the world, which I am, people are discovering me every day. And when they go to see an interview, it's not like they see one. they got a choice of 250. If I sit down... I need days to go through that stuff. <laughs> hello, so, oh, hello from Liverpool. The monkeys were the band. Were the band. The Beatles always wanted to be. It's a Brit joke. <laughs> Taken via a TV show. Yeah, but the monkeys were very big in the UK, believe it or not. When they went that, over that, in 67, that's when their TV show was shown. They were huge because, as I said, David came from Manchester and they just were blown away. The monkeys yeah. were like, as you know, Nothing no one's seen before. And to tell you something, with this pandemic, I've just gone on Amazon Australia and just bought all this stuff. I'll show you. Right, this is pretty good. This is a three CD, monkey CD. Yep. I haven't I got, got it in my collection, but obviously now you can't see nothing. But there's three <laughs> CDs in there. If you kind of angle it down, it kind of shows up a little bit better. So when you hold up something, just <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I've got his book that was revised. Oh, yeah. James, I made a monkey out of me. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just tell you what I bought since you're here. <laughs> I got right out in my mind a documentary on the Easy Beats on oh, DDD. That's a ripper. That. Yeah. <laughs> also, Frampton Comes Alive. That's a great uh, CD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
It's coming in. Look at that. Mm -hmm. And there's also a song that I like, I'm in you, you're in me, like I'm in you. And it's on this CD. It's on a different CD. So because of that song, I had to buy the second CD. Right. Also, a live album was done. Yeah. (laughs) Also, eight days a week, the um, DVD of the Beatles. Very cool. (laughs) You know, I've been busy. When I'm not doing interviews, I like buying a a few things on the net. And I was actually able to pick up the the Munsters. Chachala Pritt's a big uh, fan of the Munsters TV show. Mm -hmm. I picked up, I think it's 12 DVDs, the whole series. For forty-four dollars wow. Australian, that's a bargain. Cool. Now, so I'm waiting um, for that to arrive at my house, and then we'll <laughs> go monster mania at my place. <laughs> um, did you? Uh, uh, what am I asking? Um, all those shows, like monsters and monkeys and everything else, did those air originally like at the same time? When you know, like, did they debut like monkeys? Let's stay with that. Yeah, did it debut in September of '66, or was it a no? They, they debuted in July 1967, just okay. after, just uh, before my birthday. Okay, so it was like a year later in Melbourne okay. on black and white okay. TV, and oh. I was turning uh nine years old, but I was still eight. <laughs> and same and thing Batman, with I'm a first generation fan. And Batman was shown in like one week before the monkeys were shown here in Melbourne because Sydney showed them like maybe two weeks earlier than Melbourne got them. Hmm. But I'm a first-generation fan, so I saw Batman, the monkeys, Gilligan's Island, Time Tunnel, <laughs> Voice to the Bottom of the Sea, I Dream a Genie, wow. Get Smart. I saw them when they first came out, which is like that's my generation, the 60s. Right. But they were always a, a year delayed from the U.S. release. Is that what you're no, saying? No, it wasn't yeah. a year delay. Oh, like okay. I said, the monkeys were shown in September 66, for example, but we didn't see till July the next year. Okay. Because, like, uh, say, Get Smart, that debuted in September of 65. Did you see it in 65 then? Or did you see we it? might have seen it at the end of 65. The only way we okay. know is so when we... There is probably a little delay each time, but you probably, weren't, six aw- you probably weren't aware of it. You know, it's like... but. I wasn't around then. I mean, uh, I was born '66, so it's like I have to say I'm a second generation fan. <laughs> well, you're a child of the '70s, really. Sort of I mean, I've told everyone else my first uh, exposure to the monkeys is on Saturday mornings in the early '70s when they were in repeats. I didn't know they were repeats. I also didn't like the show. So I thought it was too weird, you know. And I liked the music, and then later I grew to love the show. But it's like, you know, so. <laughs> Well, I mean, you've written books on the monkeys, but I want to say I love them now. I mean, it's like I have everything. I mean, you mentioned book. You said don't show anything, but I'm going to show. Yes, I do have two. Show it. (laughs) Show it because we'll we'll show this. Show me one by one, so we can show this to the Beatles. Okay, that's the second book. That's the second one, and that's about the monkeys' solo years. And the original one is about the monkeys' group year. And I'll open it up because it has a great. Homage to it's a mad, 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 mad world. So, <laughs> and both covers, are, both covers are done by Scott Shaw, who used to work for Rhino Records. So he is like, and Rhino is synonymous with monkeys nowadays. So, you know, he was the right person to get. And he's a friend of mine. So, <laughs> that's all right. Now, I've got to tell you about the monkeys back in 66. As I said, we saw them in 67. Mm-hmm. What you've got to understand is for people that weren't there as first generation fans, when the monkey show came on, it was like nothing you've never seen 
before in your life. So it's out right. in 67. And then, of course, in 68, we're going towards bubblegum music. I'm a believer was the forerunner of bubblegum music. It was released in December 66, double A side single. It was I'm a believer with a flip side, I'm not your stepping stone. So you got to understand what's going on at this time. I'm going to school, right, elementary school, which we call <laughs> state school in East Hawthorne. That's a suburb. And I went to a school called Auburn South State School on Taronga Road. I used to walk. And it was more important singing monkey songs and knowing the lyrics than it was to go to school for me. And that's, mm -hmm. that's true. Plus, when we saw the TV show, it was like you thoroughly believed that they lived in a beach house, mm -hmm. that they actually drove the monkey mobile, that mm -hmm. they actually hanged around and sang. You know, yeah. it was like that real because there was nothing like it. Yeah. And I'm, I grew up thinking, oh, what a great beach house. You know, one day I might go visit them at their beach house. I mean, how do you know? You don't know the session musicians. Yeah, that all well, came after. That didn't why not? They happen. used their real names, so why not? Why not think that, you know? It's I like... mean, yeah, David Jones, Mike Nesmith, Mickey <laughs> Dolans, Peter Talk. I mean, that's their names. And you're yeah. thinking, wow, you know? And every week it was like, Mickey was probably my favourite monkey with Mike Nesmith. Okay, it's very hard because Mike Nesmith and uh, Boyson Hart are my biggest songwriting influences in my life because I grew up with them. Right. So what I'm saying is I love that American uh, rock pop sound that they do country. You know, it's like that's them. What influences you in life? In 1964, I'm six years old. I'm watching right. the Beatles arrive in Melbourne on black and white TV. I've got no idea what's going on because I'm only six. Yeah. But here I'm eight years old, turning nine, and there's the monkeys on TV. That's my generation, like their song. For Pete's mm -hmm. sake, my generation. That's <laughs> it. Everybody has a group that they grow up with, that they understand. Doesn't right. matter if they might start off with the monkeys, they're still going to end up at the Beatles. You can start off, if you talk to my sister, she started off at ABBA, but of course she's going to end up at the Beatles. Yeah. Michael Jackson, same thing. Michael Jackson, they know about the Beatles. It's like, what's your generation? That is, when they sing, my generation... At the, at the second season, they used for Pete's sake. Right. Peter Talk wrote it, right? Right. Summer. He goes, in this generation, in this love and turn, we are born <laughs> to love one another. Well, that's that's my scene, man. And I'm like, yeah. nine years old, and these people are like, love people, you know, love beads and all this. <laughs> I'm like eight years old going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so tell me a little bit about Australia compared to the U.S. Because the U.S. at the time, we had three networks, uh, but there's a lot of independent stations. Uh, and I know a lot about English TV. There's only like three channels there. But what yeah. was Australia like at well, we that time? We had like three channels too. We okay. had like, I'll give you an example. We had like ABC. Mm -hmm. We had like Channel 9. We had like Channel 7. And then what happens is then we had a station that came later called Channel O, which became Channel 10. Okay. And what I'm saying is it's like in those days you had black and white TV and, like, there was all these fads. <laughs> like the monster fads was huge with the monsters. Then you had the spy fads with right. the Avengers, with James Bond. That's how it was. We had these fads. Right. Then you had the monkey fad. <laughs> then you had the bubblegum fad. So we're going like through these phases in music that come. And I remember listening to the radio as a young child and I was more fixated on listening to the 
music that was coming through your little AM transistor. And like I, I, I remember it like it's yesterday's Manfred Man coming through the radio, Pretty Flamingo, I'm a mm. Believer, Simon Says, mm. like the big hits, Young Girl, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. I mean, these are huge here in Australia. You know, yeah. I mean, I was more into the American and the British sound, and I'd say, yeah, than the Australian sound. Yeah. That's what you got to understand. I'm very, you know, my knowledge of America and all this, it's like, <laughs> it's only because I'm right, I'm tu- I've am i been tuned in since I was very young into what's right. happening overseas. Right. Um, but, yeah, it seems like, that's the the way of the world is like it went by the U.S. and then of course the British invasion uh, at the same time. Um, yeah, talk about the radio then. I mean, it's like here in the United States, there is a ton of AM stations, ton of FM stations. But I mean, did you only have a few radio stations or a lot there? What was what was no, going we on? No, we had radio, radio stations, but you didn't have too many that were like rock. It was like you oh. know the the nineteen sixties songs were coming through, but there was like two or three stations. The mm-hmm. platinum, but you don't understand in the 60s here in Australia, it's very happy go lucky, you know, like families go and have a picnic, they carry their esky. You know what an esky is? They put their cans of beer in it, soft drinks, you get in the station wagon and you go and have a picnic and everyone's happy and gay like the Flintstones. You know, that, that's what it was like in the 60s. We had like, <laughs> this is what I love about Australians, we had like Terry Towling hats. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. Well, yeah, had a beach towel. Oh, okay. You know, the yeah. same material. The Australians, they made a hat made of the same oh, okay. It was the okay. best. You wore it and you looked like I'm, I'm right into it. Because you got to understand, at the end of the 50s, early 60s, we had like this tiki thing. Like people in their houses <laughs> had like things from the 50s that were tiki, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, New Zealand, how they have those symbols and all that. Mm-hmm. Beachy, very beachy. The yeah. houses were beachy inside. Like, they'd have a little bar. That's interesting. There was like a beach scene. You know I what mean, I mean? There's some of that here, but, you know, yeah, it sounds like it that was, was like, a That was like thing. in the 50s, early 60s. Yeah. We had to find our own identity. We were Australian. You know, like, we had kangaroo paws for can openers, you know, made out of metal. <laughs> we had, like, Australiana all over your house. I'm not joking. This is true. Because yeah. it's our identity. Hmm. What what was the the now reversing it around? What do you think the first biggest Australian music import or export to America was? I mean, I'm thinking maybe Rick Springfield, but I mean, no, uh, I gotta go what? back. All right, let's go back to '66. All right, we're okay. talking this okay. weekend. Okay, Georgie Girl, the carnival oh, okay. is over. Right, okay. let's start from there. Then we're, DGs, talking I guess, you know. <laughs> then we're yeah. talking Easy Beats Friday on my mind. Then we're talking, yeah. you know. The mixtures, the push bike song, you know, mm-hmm. and you're talking then Johnny Farnham. You're talking mm-hmm. like these Australian artists, but you got to understand why you got the Australian industry going. Mm-hmm. You got America and you got England, and to me, great, it's Australian. That's fab. I'll sing along to it. I like it. But I'm more into like the British scene and the American scene. I mean, I'm walking around with monkey. I'm walking yeah. around with monkey singles. So that never bothered. That never, bothered you. that never I'm bothered my, you. That <laughs> my collection next to yeah. me, right? There's so yeah. many there. I've got like yeah. boxes, right? Right. So I used to buy every monkey's 45. Okay, and I've got to tell you, when D.W. Washburn came out, right, that song, that single, yeah. that's when the monkey's popularity went down. 
because they lost <laughs> their monkey sound. Right. You know, and you bought your, like, here's Mary Mary. Yeah. Australian release, Mary Mary, no cover. Wow. Yeah. They never what put that single here. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah, that was you never know, a single here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have our own Australian EPs, like, mm -hmm. only for us. He's one of them, Australian, only for us. Yeah. I want to be free. I can't read all of them. Uh, yeah, it's a bit hard. Uh, but... you, just, you just may be the one. Okay. <laughs> and you just may be the one. It's my favorite song. But mm -hmm. it's been taken over in 2020 with the song The Kind of Girl I Could Love from More of the Monkeys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> over time. You know, it's like, yeah. I've got everything here, everything you want on the monkeys. I've got it here. I can tell you now, in 1967, this is amazing. In 1967, I bought that of the Beatles. Oh, yeah, Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. yeah, it's got the two, and this is printed and and uh, produced in the UK. Yeah, it I got that one, too. I got that one, too, but, of course, the U.S. version's an LP, you know. So No, this yeah. is made in Great Britain, and the two yeah. LPs on either side, guess what? Right. Since 1967, I've owned it, and it's never been played. What does that tell you? Never <laughs> been played. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know now, why? You know why? Because we never owned the record player. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> so you know, didn't play your monkeys records either, then, did you? Or you know, well, I used to carry my monkey album, the first one, more the monkeys, and it was bigger than my head, right at yeah. eight years old. And I used to go to parties and ask people if they could play uh, it so I could uh, hear it. But you never brought the Beatles, okay? <laughs> Oh, but that was the times. That was it. You went to a party and said, can you play one of my records? So people would go there with the 45s and I'd go with the whole album and just mm -hmm. hope that they'd play it. Yeah. That's how it was. You know, Ideal Games, I don't know if you remember the 60s, but Ideal Games were the greatest here. Like mm -hmm. Matt, you know. Oh, that, that brand, Trap, yeah. Yeah. Trap, yes. Green Ghost, all yeah. those were huge down here. Yeah. I combat have mousetrap. I still have combat my mousetrap game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, combat, that was a huge show down here. Yep. Yeah. So it looks like everything that, you know, was big here would have been big there. I don't know if there's anything Maybe that would have been. Gamma Yeah. Ball. yeah. Gamma <laughs> Lee, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the tables around. I could, the only. I keep thinking of what Australian stuff came here. I mean, we had Helen Reddy over here, and then uh, TV shows. We got the Paul Hogan show. I actually, I'm one of the few people who actually saw the Paul Hogan show because everybody thinks it's just Crocodile Dundee, and it's like no, no it's they, funny. But they, also, going to say on a Sunday night in the '60s, Disney yeah. was the big show. Sunday mm -hmm. night, you watched the Wonderful World of Disney. The Mickey, the Mouse here, yeah. was a big show here, mm -hmm. and basically, you grew up. I'm not going to say in isolation, but you had your own identity here. It was like, oh, what's this? You didn't think, oh, you just like got into the groove, whatever show it was, Time Tunnel. See, yeah. <laughs> Friday nights used to be the big night. It wasn't like Saturday. It was like Friday nights in the 60s. You used to watch like TV shows like Star Trek <laughs> and Batman on a Friday night. Yeah. And so those things stay in your memory. Because I can tell you, we didn't have a TV guide. I never knew what was on. I just changed the channels. <laughs> in the 60s, true. Mm -hmm. 
Now, were all these, I think you said, but were all these things broadcast in color or black and white then? It's all black and white. There's okay. no well, color. When, when did it color, switch to color? Um, color didn't come till much later on in Australia. Like 70s or something? I don't know if it was 70s or early 80s. I think it was, I think oh, it was wow. in the 70s. 70s oh, wow. So you, you saw monkeys in all those shows in black and white at first. So you probably I didn't even know, black and you white. probably didn't even know that they were in co color, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't like Dream Genie. She's beautiful. <laughs> black and white. Yeah. Well, the first season really was in black and white, but yeah. I get what you're well, saying. all seasons in yeah. black and white. Get smart. Black yeah. and white. Hire me. Black and white. Wow. <laughs> Everything's black and white down here in the 60s. I'm telling you. We woke oh. up and we... I'll tell you what it used to be like. You used to have school holidays, two weeks holidays, right? And we, I'd look in the newspaper, if you're lucky enough to have a newspaper, and you'd see what's playing at the cinema. Mm -hmm. And usually we'd get a tram, you know, like those cable cars I got in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Melbourne's got the trams, right? Yeah. And you go into the city and you'd go and see a Three Stooges movie. <laughs> that would be a big thing on a school holiday, to go and see a movie with your parents or your mum. Yeah. Sit down and watch it. Like These were events in your life. Like I can tell you the movies that I saw, right? Mary Poppins. Those magnificent men in their flying machines. Oh, yeah. Right? These are movies where you went with your brother and your mother took you along on the cable car to go into the city, which only went for special events. You'd go and have a counter meal at one of the big department stores that had like, it was called Myers at the time, right? It had a rooftop village. They had little uh, cable, little cars that went around in circles and amusements on top of the roof of their toy department. On top of that, they had a rooftop. So that was a yeah. big deal to go Christmas time here in mm -hmm. Melbourne. So what I'm saying is we had our own identity here. And yeah. like Circus Boy was a huge show here too. Texas yeah. Rangers. I'm talking about the ones where the horses are in. I don't know if you remember that show. That one I don't remember, no. <laughs> we're the, the Texas Rangers. And he's got horses. Into wanting each other, riding around. No, that was a huge show here in Australia. Hmm. Yeah, that's fun. It's amazing. I was, um, uh, have you seen the monkeys live? And did you see them live either in the, back in the sixties? No, I, think they did, I thought they did one. Didn't they do one tour in Australia? I'm going to explain you what happened there, right? Okay. Now it's 1968. The monkeys come in September. Right. Right. They played a place called Festival Hall in West Melbourne, same place that the Beatles played in 1964. Mm -hmm. Right. In 1968, I'm nearly 10 years old. You've got to understand, West Melbourne, from where I lived in East Hawthorne, southeastern suburb, was like going to Mars then. I'm serious. Oh. It was like going <laughs> to the ends of the earth to yeah. go to that concert place, Festival Hall. Oh. Yeah. First of all, I wasn't allowed to go because my parents, they couldn't drive you that far. That's like a day trip to get there. I'm serious. Oh. That's, that's what it was. It was like yeah. in the middle of nowhere, West Melbourne. Oh. Yeah. So we, I couldn't go. My parents, either one of them won't come and see the monkeys. Like they don't, at that time, they were working hard <laughs> to make a living. They didn't have time to go see what's his monkey business. Yeah. And we couldn't go. And I was like so upset that I couldn't go. But that's yeah. that's what happened. I saw them play live later on here in Melbourne. Okay. And I've got to say, uh, I've got a poster, which has taken 38 years to get signed by all four of them. 
And that's oh, that's my, right. Uh, I think it was Nesmith was the holdout, and you just got him. Yeah, it was the last one. Thank you, yeah. Mike. <laughs> he signed it, and I got to say, I got to frame that in my recording studio. And it doesn't matter what I own, monkeys. But if there's a fire <laughs> fireplace, I'll be running to get that one first. <laughs> uh, I've so, got a um, that I bought for about three hundred fifty dollars when the net first came out. It's in color. It's a mm -hmm. picture of the headquarters. And all four signed that. It was like a limited edition, a thousand of them in the world, or five hundred actually, from memory. And I got number eighty-eight of five hundred. Cost me about three hundred fifty dollars when the net first started. It's not the value, but you know, there's very few things now you can get that are signed by all four that you can actually get. That's legit, right? Yeah, I mean, I have all four autographs, but they're not together. <laughs> Done totally different things. So, and the funny so thing is, it's very hard to, to have met all four of them. Like I met Davey first. Yeah. Then I met Peter. Then I met Peter and Davey again. Then I met Mickey and Peter. And as I said, it was organised for my. Um, I was lucky enough to get Mike to sign the um, the poster. But mm -hmm. you know what it is? It's this love of the music that you got. That matters. Yeah. Like, I've been a Monkeys fan all my life. Yeah. They're my number one group. Even when no one was into the Monkeys. I remember in the 70s, <laughs> like the late 70s, yeah. early 80s, yeah. you couldn't get Monkey records. You couldn't actually buy vinyl. They disappeared. Everything disappeared. And the funny thing is here, I don't know if I've told you this story, right? But when Peter Talk left the group in 68, like he mm. went after 33 and a third, the right. special. We didn't find out Peter left the group till later. I thought I didn't even know Peter left the group. Yeah. And then the monkeys were there. There's the monkeys. And the next minute, zap, the monkeys are gone. And I'm like, what happened to the monkeys? I was like in shock. I've been in shock all my life. Where's the monkeys? Like, seriously, right? <laughs> now, did so um... I they took them off the air two years? Later, and then it was three monkeys left, you know, and then there was two monkeys left, and then there was Mickey left last. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. Did you get all the monkeys' records? Like, did they release everything through changes and everything down there? Everything like was released here, and you bought it, okay. and it wasn't okay. cheap at the time. Like, an album was like $2.50. $2.50. You know, you'd go into your milk bar, we call it, where you bought your milk and bread, and you'd buy mm -hmm. a bag of lollies this big for 20 cents. <laughs> now, I, can, I can tell you a story I right, grew up in the 60s and it's a ripper. And what happens is the milk bar from our house used to be down the hill. You had a walk. And it wasn't it wasn't a little walk. So here I am about seven, eight years old, and my mother comes to me and she says, Someone's coming to our house. You didn't drive to the milk bar, you walked. In mm -hmm. that time in the 60s, if you were a child, you walked. Your mm -hmm. parents didn't have time to drive you around, they're trying to work. And make money. They haven't got time to socialise and drive you where you want to go. It's not like now. The parents drive you everywhere. But back then, you had a walk. So yeah. anyway, what my mum said to me, we got someone coming. I need you to buy me four or five things. She said, I want milk, bread, flour, whatever it is. You know, I'm going, okay. But I said, I'm only going if I can keep the change, right? Ooh. I'm only going if I can keep the rest of the money. And she goes, all right. So she gives me this list of five things in my head. By the time I went down to the shop, I only remembered two. Oh. <laughs> so, so I had this big amount of money. And 
I don't know. I must have just turned off. And I came back with this giant bag of lollies, right? Like, not <laughs> 20 cents worth. I came back, like, with, you know, like, as big as a laptop computer and fill it up three times. So I came into my bedroom and opened up the drawer, a closed drawer, and threw all the lollies in there and closed it. There was enough there for three weeks. <laughs> and then I'm just playing with my toys on the ground or whatever. My mother comes and she said, what happened to the other things I told you to buy? And I turn around and go, what other things? <laughs> I couldn't remember. What the, <laughs> by the time I walked down the bottom of the shop, I was like zoned out. He <laughs> didn't go, matches, candles, matches. No, I'll tell you another story. <laughs> and I came from My brother and I came from elementary school one day. This is a great story, right? And they had these plastic raincoats that you used to buy, you know, black ones. Yeah. So when it rained, you wore boots, plastic boots and raincoats. <laughs> so being young, we came home from the rain and our jackets are wet. We don't know. We turn the heater on and we put the jackets near the heater, the electric heater. We're watching TV. The next thing I go, something's burning. <laughs> Something smells. The raincoats were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'll tell you another problem. You know, like Superman? Back yeah. then, Superman was George Reeves. He had kids jumping off roofs. Well, that happened here, too. It wasn't just there. I remember yeah. jumping off the garage myself. Lucky I didn't break my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was watching, um, there's a DVD I got recently. They colorized some old episodes of I Love Lucy, and they colorized the Superman one. And even the kid who played Little Ricky said, yeah, I jumped off the roof, too. So it's like everybody did. Yeah, but i got to tell you, you know, the Three Stooges. The oh, yeah. Three Stooges were huge here. And they had to get it off the air because they're worried people are going to get hammered. <laughs> and the kids are going to start hammering their heads. It's true. Because <laughs> kids imitated what the TV was. They didn't know, oh, that's a fake hammer. That's a rubber hose. That's a rubber, you know. <laughs> Crowbar? This is true. <laughs> uh, you can't beat the 60s. I'll tell you. When I went yeah. to my milk bar and mm -hmm. bought things, this is how it worked. You had something called a newsagent. Now, newsagent yeah. sold the morning paper and the afternoon paper. But in those days, you know, you normally had like one paper. Okay? Yeah. So you'd go there and there'd be all the magazines. There'd be all the corgi toys for sale. Two mm -hmm. pounds. Or two dollars because we went currency, we went yeah. decimal currency in 1966. So we mm -hmm. went from the English system pounds and shillings, we went into decimal dollars right. and cents, yeah. right? So two shilling coin became a 20 cent piece. Oh, okay. Right? So you go to your news agent. I remember fondly, I'd walk in, and this guy had in your local area, he had like toys, like combat toys. Maybe <laughs> show combat. He had the plastic head masks, the nets, plastic yeah. knives. In those days, they didn't have regulations, right? Then you had the <laughs> ideal toys up on the top. You couldn't afford yeah. this stuff unless yeah. it was your birthday. Right. My mum wasn't going to come in and buy me a monkey mobile when it came out in 1968 and it was two pounds, you know, whatever, or two dollars <laughs> fifty. Yeah. Because at that time, you bought food. <laughs> you didn't buy, like, you know. Yeah, silly stuff like food. <laughs> yeah, we were rich. 
Yeah, we, growing up, we weren't rich. We just had a simplistic life. Yeah. Like, I've been lucky enough to get a monkey comic when the yeah. monkey comics came out from the newsagent. Yeah. I remember yeah. getting a few comics, but that's about it. Because yeah. you made your own fun. We went outdoor. We made our own fun. I went and visited my cousins in Campbell, which is one suburb next to mine, and we used to walk there. Get this. We used to walk there because there was no telephone. So sometimes we'd go walking for 20 minutes as little kids to go to her house, and she's not home. You walk for nothing. That's how it was. It was like hit and miss in those days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> so did you get other monkeys things i mean did you get a monkey's mobile i managed to get one but it wasn't a first-hand one it was a second-hand one so i don't have the box or anything i like didn't that. get anything i didn't stop oh. <laughs> later we're not going to afford oh, okay. it myself and that's why okay. i appreciate it more because as i said i like buying stuff that i like people keep asking me about my monkey collection but i'll tell you most of my monkey collection was bought pre-net right you know i'm gonna say something about prices and i'm being honest yeah I don't overpay for things. I'll give you an example. If a toy costs $2.50, I'm not going to go and give them $1,000 for a Corgi toy or $500 for a Corgi toy unless there's value. There's no value. I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, it's like where do you draw the line? You can go nutso and just buy everything. But what for? You know, that money, I'm being honest, there's fanatics out there just have to buy everything that's monkeys. I'll say – you know, good luck to you. If that's your passion, that's okay. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm blessed. I've got enough monkey stuff. Like as I said, I needed this. It yeah. went for sale at a great price. I bought it because of the great price. Yeah, uh, that's why I was. I didn't buy that when it came out. I got it about a year later, and I found it for an incredible price. Well, it's a good I mean, collection. My wife, she knows I clutter. She yeah. declutters. She gets <laughs> my stuff and puts it out in the street, and people go collect it. <laughs> <laughs> get this monkey's crap out of here um, no, I'm not joking I get told off every day because I like being messy I, I don't like something that's perfect I like it like yeah. all over the shop you yeah. know I just like it. I just like it like wherever I find it I find it you know like I'll give you an example this is a great story I'm upstairs in my house upstairs and I'm looking down mm-hmm. and I'm looking out the window of my wife's and I said hey look at that chair near the tree I've got one of those chairs. I've got to go get that one. They'll have a matching set. She turns around and goes to me, that's your chair. (laughs) (laughs) She left it out in the street so someone can collect it. But what she normally does is she puts the stuff out when I'm not home. So when I come home, I'm oblivious that something's gone missing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I I I bought T-shirts in the U.S., my yeah. favorite T-shirts, they disappeared. For two years, I didn't know where they were. I went to the laundry. That's the washing room where you do your washing. Right. And I opened up the cupboard, and inside there we got, like, rags. You know, you clean things. Mm-hmm. There's my T-shirts in there mixed up in with the rags. rags. <laughs> and I'm pulling them out. What are you doing? Oh, this I've been looking rag. for this one. I came out with a pile of T-shirts that I bought in the U.S., and I said, wash them. I'm going to wear these. These aren't rags. <laughs> <laughs> they are now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's what it is. You've got to accept what's going on. But you know what? In these times, and I mean, it's not, it's a crazy times. I want people to actually just be happy and just mm-hmm. enjoy their life and just carry on. It doesn't matter 
whatever you do, if you're not happy with things or you feel a bit down, play some yeah. music, watch TV. You know, don't watch TV and the worst news you can see. Switch off. Go on the net. Play music. Watch a DVD. Watch a movie. Do that. Correct. <laughs> don't get in this void of like down, down, down. Yeah. Just try well, and be happy. Like that's why I keep doing these interviews myself. You know, I was going to take the summer off, but, you know, I didn't because, uh, you know, it's like everybody's at home. So it's like um, and I, I take a little break here and there, but it's not like I did before. Um, but it's it's been fun, and I have interviewed a lot of people. I mean, you do interviews too. When did you start interviewing people? Well, within four months, I did over 200 interviews, so I can't ask for more than that. Is that well, is that when you started, just four months ago? I mean – Really? I started, I started within four months. I had two fifty. Oh, within I had four months. months. Okay. So, I mean, when did you start interviewing people? I don't know the month, but I know it was four months ago. I got the two hundred. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So when you commit to something, you really commit. Yeah, when I, I commit mean, to something, I commit. I fully commit. But I can tell you now, and I'm not laughing. That window of opportunity was only once, a once only. To do it now, forget it. It's even harder. Hmm. Why is that? Because is now. People are not like before. It was before they're there and like there was like everybody wants to be interviewed. They've got nothing to do, this and that. Now times are changing. Oh, like, I see what you mean. If, yeah. I said to you, if I said to you, good luck, Mark, go and do 200 interviews in four months. Good luck to you. I know you can't do it. I know it's yeah. an impossible feat. Not now. Yeah. Maybe yeah. then, but not now. It's just that that window of opportunity. I was lucky enough to get it. Yeah. Wow, I just thought you'd been doing this for a long time, for years and stuff nah, like that. I just stepped in and did it straight away. Here's my friend Charles Rosman. <laughs> he's commits and he should be committed. I agree. <laughs> we both he's should. Funny, be I love Charles. Yeah, I got Charles on my show, and he he did a great job. You know, we, you we know, talked about becoming a celebrity on his own right there. We love him. When we get him on the show, you know, I'll tell you something, and he knows this is true. When I do an interview, I'm like doing an interview and I'm talking to someone, this and that. Then Charles makes a comment. And through these glasses, I can't see that well. It's like looking at darkness. Yeah. So then he writes a comment and I'm moving to the screen. He knows. Like my head's turning green now, right? right. And I read his comment and then he sees me and then I'll start to laugh a little bit. And he knows that I read the comment. <laughs> because he's very good with words. Yeah. He actually should have been an English teacher. This guy has got the the wisdom of words. He knows how to put words in phrases. And he's very funny. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Right. Yeah. The guy, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of um Charles Rosner. Yeah. The man's no, he's great. He's great. And I didn't even know him until you actually introduced me to him. I mean, I knew him from his fanzine, but that was it. And then suddenly we're doing a game show together. I go, what? <laughs> and then yeah, well, said, everybody and that's then, met Charles loves Charles. I've got to tell you, yeah. he's just a people's person. He's done Beale tours to Liverpool, right? When he first started, what he did then, no one can do it now. He's right. done Beatle conventions, he's done monkey conventions. I cannot speak of someone more highly than him. And he just like he's in the groove. And he's just that kind of person. I'll be honest with you, he's unbeatable at what he does. Because yeah. He knows how to communicate with people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like what you said, even with me. I've brought yeah. the Beatle community together because it's funny how one person meets another person and it's like a domino effect. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And like, it's like if you look at all the Beatle people that I've actually interviewed, same like with the monkeys, it's like a web. And people love that because it's sort of like I've helped connect dots. Yeah. That, that's what I find. And people every day email me, sending texts and saying, thanks so much, you know, you're entertaining me, you know, this is great, great interview, great. That, that's all it is. It's not monetary with me. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, up until now, I've got no complaints. I want people to be happy. I want the world to be happy. It's yeah. all my own. Well, you, you have to do it that way because if you only do it for money, you're just sitting there. Uh, uh, it's know, not the money. It's a love of the you're music. Like looking at your wife saying, you know, every moment I'm standing here talking to Plastic EP, I'm not making money doing something else. You know, it's like that's not how it works. You know, it's like, you no, know. As I said, I'm just lucky that, you know, it's a combination. This is what I'm trying to explain. Yeah. I don't want to get right into it because I know what's going on. My mind is like miles ahead from everybody. I'm in the <laughs> zone. And I'll tell you why I'm in the zone. And I don't care what people say. Because you got a place to get live TV. There's 250 interviews there. That didn't happen from nowhere. That's from hard work. That's from getting the right people, connection, doing it, and whatever. But I've been lucky because I had the right combination. His Plastic EP comes from nowhere, this guy called Plastic EP. He's a guy has got an interview show like no other. He's a guy that's got Hey Bananas, I Think You're Groovy as the theme song. No one's got that. It's the combination of everything that makes yeah. that unique. And I get it all the time. People thank me and out there, you know, I communicate with them. It's like I've got a buzz. Today you're interviewing me. Yeah. I've got no pressure. Even when I do an interview. I got no pressure. It's like, let me tell you, it's like baby steps when you learn to walk. Mm-hmm. Once you know how to walk, you know how to walk. When I did interviews, I wasn't baby steps. I was already like, here I am. This is not new to me. Bang, I just do it. It's like, <laughs> I don't half do things. It's like a rocket. When it takes off, it takes off. It's like a car. I've got my foot on the accelerator. I'm miles ahead. I'm on a super freeway now. <laughs> Autobahn. <laughs> um, so is this something that you're, you know, obviously you can't get the 200 uh, in the future, but I mean, uh, is this your future? I mean, are you continuing this to just my interview future. people? This is my future, but as I said, mm-hmm. I'm at 250 now. Yeah. 250 interviews, and as I said, how many days do I need or how many weeks do I need to sit down and watch every show? I haven't got time. It's like <laughs> I'll give you an example. These interviews I do, I can turn them into podcasts. Right. But I don't want to turn them into podcasts now because mm-hmm. I don't want to flood the market. It's like let yeah. people do podcasts. But one yeah. day, every interview I do, it's going to become a podcast. That's when I'll have nothing to do. Probably when I'm 95 years old, looking back <laughs> and going, there's my friend Mark Arnold, you know. So you know yeah. what, I'm historically documenting everything and I can tell you in the future you're going to press a button and go place GP and go wow and just see this wall yeah. in their house or wherever they live in a cage or whatever the stories I don't know what's going to happen in the future right and he's going to look at a wall and go wow who, who's this person wow who's that person because they're right. going to look back in 20 years and go like wow who's this yeah yeah and I don't know if you do it for this reason I do it because you know, there's a lot of people that never get interviewed and hysterically documented. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's a lot of people that never get interviewed or if they get interviewed, 
they get asked the same stupid question. It's like, you know, what was your favorite episode? Or why, you know, why did you leave the group? Or what, you know, it's like, or do you think you'll get back together? You know, it's like, it's never anything more insightful. And, you know, it's like, to me, it's like, that's the reason. I want to for the person. And I want to talk about what's relevant. I haven't got time here to talk about how was your shopping last week or what's happening in your life today. It's like, I'm on, you're on, let's talk something interesting. Otherwise, why am I talking? It's like, yeah. It's like that. People yeah. don't want to be bored. And people yeah. have got like a span of five, ten minutes. Right. You know, I've had <laughs> interviews for two hours or an hour and a half, and people are watching right through. I mean, it's very hard to get that. You either yeah. find it interesting or you don't. Yeah. And that's why I do it, too. I have a friend that encouraged me to do this because I've been interviewing people for years, but it was just for my books. I never meant for anybody to hear them or see them or anything, you know, it's like suddenly, you know, oh, you should do a podcast. Eh, I don't have time to do a podcast. Now I'm doing it. So, yeah, but Mark, not- I found you and I put you on shows. I mean, I'll never forget we did the 10 worst monkey songs and we had Charles Rosen eight, and we all came up with the same song. Four people. What show does that? Three people on the panel come up with from more of the monkeys, The Day I Fall in Love by David Jones, the worst <laughs> monkey song in life. We had it. <laughs> We need to do more of those. I mean, I don't yeah, know. We, we had the list. Yeah. And no one knew what our list was. And we still came yeah. to the same result. Now, it's <laughs> amazing that there's three of us. And Charles Rosenace texted in his answers, number one, being the same song. I don't know if any, any show yeah. where four people get the same <laughs> worst song of the monkeys in, in my life. That's like a home run. You know, like, <laughs> you don't get that. That's once in a lifetime show. You agree? <laughs> I agree. I like it though. What um, do you know that you watch the or do you listen to the Zilch show every so often? Yeah, I'm on yeah. Zilch all yeah. the time. I watch it. Yeah, so they have uh, that guy named David Ghosty Wills, and he said like the perfect thing about the day we fall in love. He said, "Well, it wasn't written for forty year old men." <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> It's still, yeah, not a good, it's still not a good that's song. A song. It's like it was a love song to girls. And if you're 12 years old, that yeah. was the song. There's no question yeah. about that in 1967. But now 2020, <laughs> if I want to fall asleep, not the day I fall in love, but the, the minute I fall asleep, actually the second, I'll put that song on and I'll guarantee you in three minutes I'm asleep. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you know, uh, to show how great of a song it is, how often have they played it in tour on con- in concerts and everything? They don't. <laughs> if Zorazam is in your top best, I don't want to hear anything from you. It was in my top ten. I remember. I don't have my list with me, but I had Zorazam in there. Well, it's actually <laughs> Zorazam is actually a good song. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, it, no, we're not going to just say Zorazam. <laughs> but I told you, I'm not joking. When yeah. they did D.W. Washburn, the monkey's career went down the tube. Yeah, I remember when I first heard that one. Um, I was uh, I was already a Monkees fan, and uh, going through a used record store, and I found the single. And this is before they did their first reunion comeback and everything. And I was going, "What song is this?" Because I knew it wasn't on any of the albums. And uh, so I bought it because it had a picture sleeve, and then took it home. Yeah. Oh, that's a different picture. Oh, that's oh my my. But uh, yeah, but D.W. Washburn had picture sleeve. It looked really nice. Brought it home. Played the record. Then that released... What is this? Teardrop City. Oh, I like Teardrop City. Not everyone no, I love does. Teardrop but... City. I don't know yeah. why didn't release it earlier. Yeah, yeah. 
What's that one? Oh, girl, I knew somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, that's an Australian league. I've got all my monkeys. Yeah. I've got all my monkeys. But, you know, I agree with you on DW Washburn. It's Mommy like, what, what were they you thinking? Even mommy and daddy and good clean fun are better than DW Washburn. I don't know what they were thinking. So it's like well, I'm gonna give an example. All right, I'm sorry, but yeah, that's it. Got a Australian picture cover. Yeah, you got the, that's the same sleeve that came out here. So yeah, <laughs> it's nice to be with you, in DW Washburn. I'm sorry. To me, that killed the monkeys. It's just like yeah. it's me. All right, the <laughs> I agree with down. you. I agree with you. With, they come back then with Teardrop City after they lost their fans. <laughs> well, I, I think that last year is like 1968. It was a total like yeah, but they're they're nail, nail in the sugar, sugar. <laughs> Bang, Bang, what I mean. Oh, here's a question for you: Did you guys get head down there or no? Not the album, but the the movie. Did they ever no, I get explain to you? Okay. The movie head came out in Australia, mm -hmm. and I went to see it. Right in the city. This is mm -hmm. true. 1968. It's the school holidays. My auntie takes me down there. So I remember <laughs> we played at the Forum. The Forum is like a Casbah. Like it's like the Sarah Sands of the, you know, the city. There's a there's a cinema that looks mm -hmm. like it's come out of the desert, you know, like those desert movies. That's the yeah. like the look of it outside. So I see all these people hanging out. I go in there, sold out. I can't see the movie head. I, I was so upset that I had to go and see where devil, where I had to go and see a movie where something goes, trouble follows. It was a movie about nuns. What? Oh, I know that one. Uh, uh, where angels go. Trouble follows. Yeah, it's a sequel. It's the oh, yeah. Boston Art wrote the theme song. Yeah, yeah. I became a monkey's reject. I went from the movie's head because I thought it was the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and I went oh. saw where, where angels go. Trouble follows, oh, and I'm God. like, oh, it's like the worst day of my so, life. So when did you see Head the first time? <laughs> I didn't see it until it came out like a DVD. Oh wow. <laughs> you know, because it's like here, and a third. we saw 33 and a 30. Yeah. Oh, so that did make it down there. That made it on yeah. TV. Oh, okay. But that did bomb, it... everywhere that was played, that bomb. <laughs> so, that was like something you've never seen before. That's like the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll give the nod to Magical Mystery Tour. I think that's slightly better. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. When you look back, as I said, you watch the you watch um, Head Now, and it's a classic. It's a cult yeah. classic. Yeah. The only thing I can say about Thirty Three and the Third, the the one part that is forgivable about the whole special, and I think they should just release it on its own is like some sort of EP music video. Is just their version of listen to the band on that. Yeah, special. I know. But also, I've got to say, look, to get Little Richard. And Jerry Lee Lewis and all those people playing piano one above the other, that's that not going to happen again. That's unique. Right. But it's not the monkeys, so that's why it's like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but the, monkeys, the monkeys are the monkeys, you know what I mean? Now, it's like, you know, you love the monkeys, 
You love the monkeys. I'm surprised with how many hardcore Beatles fans love the monkeys. This is one thing that's come across in all my interviews. Yeah. I say I'm a monkeys fan. They go, so am I. Yeah. It's like I'll give you an example. There's hardcore rockers out there, metal, in the metal, and they go, I like ABBA. But they won't tell you they like ABBA. Yeah. A lot of people love ABBA, believe me. And that's why, because the music's great. It doesn't matter even if you're in hard metal band. Mm-hmm. You appreciate music. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, it's like I was a Beatles fan first and then then Monkeys, which is kind of weird because uh, prior to both of those, I was a comedy fan. So I love Monty Python and things like that prior to being a Beatles fan. So, you know, I don't know if all that, it, everything from England got down to Australia, I bet. Probably, yeah, we've got all the English stuff. Believe me, we've got yeah. the English and the American stuff. And I've got to say, the monkeys in their time. I'm going to go through one episode of the monkeys, right? There's one episode, the monkeys in a ghost town. I'll yep. tell you which part I really like. You got Mike playing the piano, right? Mm-hmm. And Davey comes over standing next to him while he's playing the piano for the big man. She's the one that played in the Dick Van Dyke show, right? I don't know if you've seen that episode. Do you know the one yeah. I'm talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that guy. Uh, that played in those scary movies is in that episode. Oh, Lon, Lon Chaney? Yeah, but I'm trying to understand. Is that Lon Chaney's son? The Lon Chaney Jr., yeah. Lon Chaney Sr. died in like 1930. So it's like... It yeah, but this Chaney. guy that played in it, he played in monster movies too, yeah? Yeah, he played the werewolf and uh, okay. Wolfman. Yeah, well. Well, he's a fantastic actor. So anyway, yeah. what happens is Mike's playing the piano. Everybody loves somebody, whatever he's... You remember it? And David yeah. James comes over and, and he looks at Mike while he's playing the piano. And Mike's going, use the telephone, Davey. Use the telephone. So David goes over to the telephone. It's on the wall. It's one of those ones you, with a handle. You you grab it, put it in one ear, turn it. Yeah. He rings up and he gets an Indian on the line and, and he goes, help, we need help. And he goes, and the Indian's got like an exchange system, you know, the phone display where he is hooked. Where he presses buttons and puts you through to different people. Oh, switchboard, switchboard. <laughs> but one of those portable ones on the ground. Anyway, right, right. he tried to get, and he gets a guy sitting on a porch, like he's a marshal, and he's leaning back against the porch and he answers the phone. He goes, This is Chester, right? And David goes, Help, we need help. I need someone, I need Marshal Dillon. I need someone to come and help us. We're in trouble. This and that. He goes, You want Marshal Dillon? You don't want Marshall Dillon. You want Bob Dillon. He can write a <laughs> song about your problems. <laughs> That's great. And I remember that one. The guys yeah. that wrote stuff, yeah. forget smart, they were writing for the monkeys. Caruso right. and what's his name? They helped um, write monkey episodes. So Gardner. we've got the best writers from Get Smart writing the funny lines in the monkeys. I don't know if people yeah. know that. Yeah. Caruso and uh, Gardner. Yeah, that's it. Gerald Gardner, he, he just passed away about yeah, that's right. a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, Most yeah. monkey people won't know that. But, yeah. I mean, there you go. You go from Get Smart, the monkeys. <laughs> you know, Gilligan's Island, but as I said, Game of Pile's a classic. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, uh, you know, you may not even know this, but uh, did you ever get Sick Magazine down there? Everybody loves uh, it. We've got Mad Magazine. Okay, so you know about it. But anyway, that's where Caruso and Gardner got their start. They were writers for that magazine for a few years, and then they broke into TV. So they had done that for a few years. 
So anyway, just a little tidbit. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, Mark, yes. this has been a pleasure being interviewed by you. And the great thing is we've gone one hour, two minutes. And this uh, okay. podcast, give them the name of the podcast. I already know what it is. We are on the Fun Ideas Podcast, episode 95. Peter, we didn't make a hundred. You got another five to interview. I know. Trying, trying, trying. <laughs> but you know, it'll be soon. You know, I'm trying to make. Yeah, I never thought I'd make it to ten. <coughs> Especially well, with my what can I say? Uh, But all I want to say is this is fantastic. Show us. Yeah. You're doing the interview, but show me the books again, because as I said, this will be going out to all the monkey groups. Okay. Well, these are my two monkey books. Which I promote with little ads on my show. Books in a couple of lines. Long title: Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One, which is the the actual monkey book. And here's a little tidbit: uh, When we got to the second book, Scott Shaw said, "Why do you have such a long ass title? Why don't you just call it Headquartered?" So the new one is called Headquartered. Uh, but we did put a timeline of the monkey solo years, but. Yeah, you know, both are available through Amazon. I'll plug myself, even though yeah, of you're course. Like I also want to ask you, since you got the book in there of songs, yeah. can you look up the kind of girl I can love? Have you got that one in there? Uh, let's see. The kind of girl I can love. Let's do it. more of the Monkeys album. Second one. Uh, let's see. I'll just kind of look. Oh, uh, Got to take my glasses off. You're making me work for a living here. <laughs> If I learn to play a violin, Teardrop City, <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> uh, let's see. Look out. Here comes tomorrow. Hold on, girl. Through the Looking Glass is a good song. When Love Comes Knocking to Your Door. <laughs> There's more of the monkey. So it, which, which song is it again? The Kind of Girl I Could Love. The Kind of Girl I Could Love. I guess they recorded it. More than the monkey. The- I'm not going to say anything. It's not in the book. No, I'm just kidding. Here you go. You wrote a book about monkey songs and left it out. <laughs> we almost did leave one song out. There it is. Because it was recorded for the first album and it made it on the second, second album. album. Yeah. But it was recorded for the first album. See, our, I don't know if you know this about our book. It's chronological recording dates. So okay. um, anyway. What do you want? You want me to read what we read over? Yeah, just give me a rough idea of the kind of girl I could love. Just tell me a bit about it. I mean, here's what I wrote, and I can read it in my own voice. A yeah. song held over for the second album, probably due to the fact that there would be too many country-sounding songs on the first album. It's a strong Nesmith song, but once Papa Jean Blues was recorded, the song was shelved. And then I talk about an alternate mix where the backing vocals are stronger appears on the Monkey's Deluxe Edition, and a mono TV version of the song appears on the Monkey's Super Deluxe Edition. And then Michael wrote, uh, Mike wrote this with Roger Atkins, who's probably best known for writing the animals It's My Life. He's not known for so much for a song he wrote for the first album as of a young pop star named David Jones. Although the vocals sound country-inspired, the performance is basic 60s pop. More cowbell. <laughs> Mike's steel guitar solo is perhaps the only nod to the country music he grew up with. There really isn't a chorus, is there? It's just verse, verse, bridge, lead, verse. The bridge, as it is, is the best part of the song. I wish he had treated that like the chorus and repeated it. After all, the song doesn't even last two minutes. So there we go. That's what we wrote. That's pop song. Now, before we go, I just want to say, I want to give a big shout out to Ken Mills there and everybody at Zilch. 
Because you guys, got no from, apart from yourself, every monkey's Facebook uh, group out there is very important. And believe me, I watch them all. I love them all. And this is what it's all about, networking. You know, you find that what the latest things are in and out. You know, I don't know if you know there's a new um, – The Monkeys, the first album now has been done like in two albums yes. with extra songs. Yes. I ordered two. Oh, with wow. The first thousand was meant to be a yellow vinyl. Right. I think I missed out. I bought two black ones, uh -oh. like the black uh, vinyl editions. Mm -hmm. That's life. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you knew about this. McCartney's putting out McCartney 3. He's putting like a yellow oh, vinyl, a white vinyl, a black vinyl, green vinyl. A yellow vinyl. vinyl with a black. Someone someone said it's for sale for 5000 or something. I don't hey. know. Hey. $5,000. <laughs> Too much. $5,000. Uh, I'll go overseas next. You can keep the black and yellow vinyl. I might get on vinyl. Well, I'll get on vinyl, but I'm not going to rush out to get all the versions. I'll get the one that's easiest to get with the best price. <laughs> but anyway. See, my problem is, I said, I don't play vinyl. I only buy yeah. records now for the covers to put on the wall. Yeah, well, yeah, that's why I want it. I mean, because... CDs, I'm into MP3s. To me, that's, I just love it, you know? Well, I love you know the songs too, but I mean, it's like, like amazing. How many songs you can get on a USB? And look, right. I'm not carrying around a big album like right. the old guys. Yeah. Or you can stream everything. I mean, Spotify and all that stuff nowadays. So it's like, yeah. But anyway. I've got to say, Mark, it's been a buzz. And as I said, thank you. All right. And uh, one last question just to get us to go. Uh, how can people get in contact with you? Do you have a website to promote or anything else coming Next. up? I'll tell you what's happening with me. i got three sites so people understand where we're going. My number one site is Plastic EP Live TV on Facebook and on YouTube. Now, what happens is when I do interviews, that's where they end up. That's my prime number one site. When I do an interview, I go to Plastic EP, just Plastic EP, the site. Usually every interview we do is live. Like if someone goes now, since we're doing it this way, it's your interview. But this is actually there on Plastic EP, the page. It goes there first. Then if people want to be my friend, they can if they wish. I'm getting inundated <laughs> now by so many people who want to be my friends. I don't even want to look at my phone, right? <laughs> they go to, to Daniel Sam, D-A-N-I-E-L space, capital S-A-M, right? So Daniel Sam. Mm -hmm. You'll see a monkey rapper from the 1960 with the four heads of the monkeys. Can't miss it. I put so much great stuff on there that, you know, you're being more entertained if you come to the Daniel Sam page while you're waiting for the interviews. Here we go. Read that out. Hi, Plastic. This looks really interesting. But I'm rocking out to Desolation Boulevard by the suite. And I know they were massive, too, down under. I'll check the interview later. Cheers. All right. <laughs> That's true. Actually, the suite were huge here. They're pretty Sydney good here. Was yeah. Huge. Yeah. Abba was huge. Yeah. Everyone becomes huge down here, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Abba broke in Australia before it mm. broke in America. Well, that's true. I mean, they were, they were treated as a joke originally when they broke in America. Those women are unbelievable. I love their songs. Money, money, money. Yeah. I mean, they appear on 
Saturday Night Live and they 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 sang SOS. You got know that other was... song they sing and I want to get. <laughs> there's there's a song that they sing I sing all the time, right? And then it goes and and the best part of a song is it's not the whole song; it's the part where they go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Jeez, I don't even know which one that is. And I know a I lot of Abba songs, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, I know they go. So promote your website again. <laughs> as I said, Plastic EP Live TV, go there. If you want to see the interviews live as they happen, just go to one called Plastic EP. Mm -hmm. Right, same as it's written there. And also, as I said, everyone get on to Daniel Sam and become my friend because it's all happening down on that page. You don't know what you're going to see on there. you got like... Video clips of 1960s artists there. You got my video clips there. You got my songs there. You got people, TV shows on there. You know, they got Batman running live and they got the Brady Bunch running live <laughs> now on the net. As soon as they come up, I just go share. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I love it. Imagine watching Batman live on your phone, wherever you are. That's like the greatest. And the quality. Comes in better than the television. Yeah. I remember they had all the horizontal hold and everything. We'd get all woo. Anyway. <laughs> and all I want to say is tune in next time for your Arnold, same Arnold time, same back station. <laughs> same Arnold time, same Arnold. You're running station. on Arnold time. Hey, you want people to listen. If I say Arnold time, they'll think I'm Arnold the pig or something. Uh, love your love for the monkeys. Dig your interviews. Hey, Freddie Fender. Oh, Freddie Fredder. I thought it was Freddie Fender. <laughs> Wasted days and wasted nights. What? What was the big song Freddie Fender had? Wasted days and wasted nights. <laughs> that was the big one. Yeah, it is a good song. You know what I like? Yeah. I want to tell you a couple of songs that really stick in my head. Take yeah. a little Maria, do, 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 Jesus do my wife, tell I'll be coming home because I got a new life. Remember that one? Write a letter, Maria. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember it? That one I don't. Look it up. Yeah. Write, take a letter, Maria. Look it up. It's a great song. Well, I'll have to do it after the show. I love, I'm on the songs, that, I love these songs that are obscure, but with like huge hits. Yeah. So what, what's your favorite? We'll, we'll leave on this question. Uh, what, what's your favorite song not by the Monkees or the Beatles? You know, that's a hard one, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a very hard one because I, I, at the moment, or what's your current fave? What's your current fave? But I also got to say, for everyone out there, Ron Dainty has got two CDs. It's like 45 songs, 17 unreleased Archie songs, right? And it's called Ron Dainty's Funhouse. Everybody, this is the CD of 2020. Go out there, look it up and buy it. Someone's selling them already signed, like he signed the outside of the covers. So look it up. Ron Dainty, Funhouse, 45 songs. That is Plastic EP's pick double CD for 2020. Make sure you go out there, buy it. And if you're watching, Ron, I want to tell you, the world loves you. There isn't a day <laughs> goes past, I don't sing Sugar Sugar. I really do. Sugar, dude. <laughs> Well, here's the 
I'll Here's the it. one I listened to. Forget all I said by the. <laughs> well, hey, please, you walk that one. <laughs> it's personally signed too. See, you got, you know, I couldn't send you the first one because it doesn't exist. But oh. go on the internet and look up plastic EP in the records. Just type it; it comes up everywhere. Listen to the okay. song at home. Three special okay. words, and that song that wasn't released for 38 years is actually two of them. When you want to make a record. Look that up. It's actually unbelievable, guys. Where do you want to make a record? Du, 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 du. <laughs> All right. I All right. Thank you, Plastic. It's thank Saturday you for being on my show. Hey, I want to tell you, it's Saturday morning. It's 8.50 a.m., and I haven't even had breakfast. This is the kind of lifestyle I need. I don't get sleep. I don't have breakfast. I don't have lunch. I'm waiting for my wife to come down and give me the roll call. <laughs> All right. Get up. Have some breakfast. Uh, I'm in the afternoon, so I'm just going to take a break, <laughs> tea break, coffee break. I want whatever. to say something to you, Mark. It's been a groove, all right? Seriously, all right. thanks. Thank you very on. much. Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate See it. See you, everybody. We love you. Talk bye. to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Plastic EP, for being my special guest. Episode number 96 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you, and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors at the price I'm paying. Don't fall back Don't fall back